so dynamic, so magnetic, so effervescent, so full of energy and vitality. Is it Herman? No. Is it Sherman? No. Is it Eddie? Is it Freddie? Oh, no, no, no. Is it Hart? Is it Schaffner? Is it Marx, perhaps? Oh, you'll never, never guess it. Don't snap your cap. It's just Miss Judy Garland. Here's the little gal who's earned a number one priority in your pinup department, both in your barracks wall and in your heart, Judy Garland. Clang, clang, clang went the trolley. Ding, ding, ding went the bell. Zing, zing, zing went my heart strings. From the moment I saw him, I fell. Hey everyone, this is Mindy. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Old Time Radio. Next in our Judy Garland series is her appearance on Screen Guild Theater, or sometimes known as Golf Screen Guild Show, broadcast on January 8th, 1939. This is the premiere episode of what would become a long-running anthology series from 1939 to 1952. 14 seasons, 527 episodes, so... That ain't bad. And the very first uh, musical performance you hear from a singer is Judy. Near the end of this episode, you're going to hear a great skit between Jack Benny and Joan Crawford. And I thought this was a lot of fun. I I loved their kind of easy rapport. To me, it was really funny. And the show starts off with a song by Judy called Sing of Swing. Big energy. Uh, Really great up-tempo song and then she hits this note at the end that keeps going and going and going and it doesn't falter and that's just the way she is apparently (laughs) she can just do that not everyone can it was a great start to the show and then she also sings an operatic style version of thanks for the memories and this one was crazy like i am still surprised after all the shows i've listened to after being a fan for so many years she's still surprises me with the abilities that she has to sing different styles and to reinvent songs and do it all at an age where a lot of singers still don't have their their own sound or their their own style and she just had them all so she used what she needed when she wanted I, it's just another great great performance from her And I thought it was interesting. She was introduced as being 15 years old. In my notes, she's 16 and she's actually going to turn 17 in 1939. And so I suspect that was MGM's doing because they did push for her to stay as young looking and sounding and acting as possible. It very well could have been a mistake. I just don't think it was because the way she even speaks is it sounds a little bit artificial, artificially young, because we've heard her in other programs that predate this by a year, even where she sounds more mature than what she's sounding here. You know, musically, it's never really that much of an issue. It's always in the speaking voice that that it becomes an interesting side note. I think she was probably instructed to act a little childlike and impatient and a a little bit too young for her age and her maturity level at that point. That's always up for debate, I'm sure. Behind the scenes, they are kind of in the full swing of The Wizard of Oz in the filming. About a week prior, they had started the Haunted Forest sequence and they've got some flying monkeys going on already and the opening of munchkin land is actually shot and finished the way that we see it in the film so they're they're well underway and then you know as always the wizard of oz is always surrounded by these myths crazy crazy stuff that you know majority of people that were there said actually didn't happen but then there were the totally legitimate things that happened that were still kind of weird Most of us know that Margaret Hamilton, the Wicked Witch, was burned after the first take of her melting. Uh, The first take was the one they had to use. So this has already happened 
so Margaret Hamilton's already off recovering and she'll be off for another month. Something I didn't know was her stand-in, a woman named Betty Donko or Danko. She was injured while filming one of the flying broom stunts. A flying monkey during a flying sequence was completely dropped and injured. Not seriously, but it was a flying monkey that needed some time off. Even Toto, which I had no idea about this either. Toto was stepped on at one point, so... Toto had to leave for a couple of days. <laughs> like even the dog had to take some sick leave. It was it was a, a bang up of a, a movie shoot. And, you know, the Technicolor technology was very new and there was just a long delay in getting each scene set up and getting the lighting correct and do they had to do a lot of testing to make sure that things were appearing that the, the way that they needed them to and so that it really made for a very interesting, long, complicated movie production. A lot of her co-stars, the main characters in the movie, they were, a, there was a bit of hostility behind the scenes because they were all established actors. Judy was very much a star, but still young and relatively new in Hollywood. And they tried to upstage her. The, this was more about them. And I think it was Margaret Hamilton even was one of the people who said it's a testament to Judy's talent that she was able to get it left right and sideways and still stand in enough command of the screen that the movie remained about Dorothy, that you were centered on her character and her journey and her scenes. She was the star. I think I can agree with that because all of the colorful side characters and scenery and all of that stuff that makes The Wizard of Oz great is only great because you have this fantastic role of Dorothy, this girl that is completely normal, experiencing all of these wonderful things right along with you. It's just interesting to to see what a masterpiece came out of a lot of drama and a lot of ego clashing and a lot of mishap. It's just amazing that this movie came out the way it did. So anyway, enjoy this piece of radio history. It's, It's a fast 30 minutes that you're about to listen to. So have fun. Welcome, everybody. Tonight, your neighborhood good golf dealer joins the golf companies in presenting a new program. So welcome to all of you from the good golf dealers of America. Welcome to the motion picture star's own radio program... The Gulf Screen Guild Show. With Jack Bentley, Joan Crawford, Reginald Gardner, Judy Garland, Oscar Bradley, and Hollywood's favorite master of ceremonies, George Murphy. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Screen Guild Show. Maybe you're wondering why we call this the Motion Picture Star's own program. Well, you see, it's this way. This show is written, directed, and acted by the greatest names in the motion picture industry. With every type of entertainment that represents Hollywood. Reviews, musical comedies, dramatic shows, different writers, directors, and stars each week. But most important, the money that the Gulf Oil Companies pay the stars for appearing on this program will be turned over to the Motion Picture Relief Fund. So you see, it is really our own program, and we hope that you have as much fun listening to it as we have bringing it to you. So let's swing right into the show with a star who still manages to keep her youthful appearance in spite of her 15 years, Judy Garland. Well, thanks, Mr. 
Murphy. Isn't it swell? Isn't it great? Oh, you said it, Judy. And you're the first star to appear on the Screen Guild show. Gee, Mr. Murphy, aren't you excited? How many people do you think are listening to us? Well, Judy, you I should... Can they hear us all over the country? Well, I suppose... You think you're listening and enjoying it? Wait a minute, wait. If you'll stand still for just a minute, I'll tell you. You must have been vaccinated with a pogo stick. <laughs> Mr. Murphy, where's the master ceremonies? Well, Judy, I'm the master ceremonies. Oh, I thought the master ceremonies were supposed to be funny. <laughs> well, it so happens that I'm the master of ceremonies, and I can be just as funny as the next one. Oh, gee, have they already decided on the next one? <laughs> Judy, darling, how about your song? Well, shall I sing sweet or swing? Which do you like to sing? Well, you see, it's this way. Shall I sing a melody of birds on the wing? Shall I sing of love and spring? Or shall I sing of swing? Oh, swing, yes, swing. Shall I dance a polka or a stately courtyard? Should I do a Susie Q and make it good and hard? I do what mother tells me to and be a slightly dull but model little daughter or should I merge with this terrific urge to get right up and do my stuff not to escape but gay enough Of love and spring, but I will not sing of love and spring. For when I sing, I'm gonna sing. I wanna sing. I'm gonna sing. Judy Garland, thank you. That was grand. That was swing and certainly sweet. Thanks. And don't forget, I want to meet all the stars on the show tonight. All right, you stick around and I'll introduce you to Joan Crawford. Joan Crawford? Gee, I've always wanted to meet her. Really, will you introduce me to her? I certainly will. Oh, gosh. Joan Crawford. And you know what? I'll introduce you to Jack Benny, too. Oh, gee. Joan Crawford. (laughs) (laughs) Judy, it looks as though you're really serious about this. Hey, somebody just came in. That might be Joan now. Uh, pardon me. Am I interrupting anything? No, no, not at all. Then I must be in the wrong studio. Goodbye. (laughs) Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's Reggie Gardner, folks. Well, well, Reggie, it's really a pleasure to see you here, and it's awfully nice of you to be on this first program, in spite of your broken arm. Oh, my arm's much better, thanks. In fact, it's practically healed. Then why don't you take off the sling? I would, but it's holding up my pants. <laughs> you see, I, I can't afford a butler. Frightful, isn't it? Say, Mr. Murphy, when are you going to introduce me to Joan Crawford? <laughs> Judy, look, I'll introduce you to Joan Crawford just as soon as she gets here. 
Hasn't Joan been on yet? No, and we're waiting for back Jack Benny, too. He just finished his own program, and he's... <laughs> He'll like that. <laughs> you see, Jack, Jack just finished his own program, and right now he's in a police car. Oh, really? I heard his show, but I didn't think it was that bad. <laughs> you know, I heard a lot of radio programs while lying in the hospital with my broken arm. In fact, that's all I did. I didn't get any sleep at all. You see, being in one room so long brought back my old phobia of believing that the furniture and everything in the room was alive. With the exception of my night nurse, of course, who definitely wasn't. <laughs> I, um, I actually believe that all inanimate objects are alive, and along this line, the most alive thing I've ever seen is a railway engine. Not only is it alive, but it's livid, furious, it loathes humanity. The only human who isn't afraid of it, I can't think why, is the engineer who leans out of his cab and waits for the signal to go... And when he gets the signal, he turns around and catches hold of a handle, pulls it down, and this livid beast is unleashed. Like this. And so forth. On its journey. Well, uh, now that we've unleashed this livid thing, we find it's still equally furious, and it has a colossal argument for the rails it's running on. Like this. Get a little dog. Buddle a dog. Get a little dog. Buddle a 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 dog. That goes on the entire journey. And not only does it have a colossal argument for the rails it's running on, but also all the other rails when they dare to cross its own. Like this, fiddle the dog, cuddle the dog, fiddle 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 the dog, so on. A few years ago, I went to France, and when I arrived at Calais, I got my first glimpse of a French engine. I was very much impressed. It seemed to me to be four times as big and eight times as livid as any engine I'd ever seen before. To begin with, it had 27 of everything. Cow catchers, bells, tea cozies, knives and forks. In fact, everything but Daryl Zanuck hanging all over it. <laughs> and when I was crossing the rails to get to the platform on the other side where I was to catch my train, I had to walk in front of this frightful monster, so I cowered away from it, and suddenly, to my amazement, it let out an extraordinarily effeminate voice. It seemed to me to be so enormously masculine, and yet as it started on its journey for Paris, all it managed to summon up was... Of course, uh, I may be wrong about that, but um, really does seem to me to be a little peculiar. <clears throat> now, before I end this bit of nonsense, I would like to tell you the one thing that an engine really loathes more than anything else, and that is another engine coming in the opposite direction. That it cannot bear. And by this time, you're well on your trip and you've settled down quite calmly to diddle a baddle a all the other maddening noises. When suddenly, to your horror, this new thing bursts upon you and nearly knocks you on the carriage floor. It's the most frightening thing in the world, and it goes like this. But it's very silly. Don't bother. It's just my own personal Well, grand and splendid. 
You know Oscar Bradley, our musical director, because he has conducted the golf programs for the past four years. But we've known him since the days he conducted such great New York successes as Showboat, Rio Rita, The Desert Song, and many others. Tonight, he goes a little jitterbug with Jeepers Creepers and Say It With a Kiss from the Warner Brothers picture, Going Places. Okay, Oscar, go places. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, tonight Ralph Morgan is playing a dual role. He is here not only as president of the Screen Actors Guild, but also to represent Gene Herschel, president of the Motion Picture Relief Fund, who is in New York. Ladies and gentlemen, our president, Ralph Morgan. Thank you, George. God bless you, Gene Herschel. I know you're listening in. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a real pleasure that I present Colonel Drake president of the Gulf Oil Corporation and the Gulf Refining Company. Colonel Drake has been a vital factor in offering this new series of programs to you for your entertainment. Here he is, Colonel J. Frank Drake, speaking... <laughs> speaking in behalf of the Gulf Companies and of your independent good Gulf dealers. Thank you, Mr. Morgan. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, during the past seven years... Gulf has pioneered in bringing you many unusual phases of radio entertainment for the first time. Your good Gulf dealers and the Gulf companies have had the privilege of sponsoring a long series of famous stars, including the best loved of all, a man I am proud to have known as a friend, America's own Will Rogers. This year, we have searched for a new frontier in the radio field. We feel that we have found it in the Screen Guild show which brings you practically all the leading stars, the featured players, and the directors and writers in Hollywood. We hope that in this way we shall open new frontiers of enjoyment to you and to millions of other Americans. It has been possible for Gulf to sponsor a program of such a wide scope only because of the cooperation of the Motion Picture Relief Fund, the Screen Actors, Writers, and Directors Guilds, and the Motion Picture Producers. We think it worthy of your attention that the amount paid by the sponsor for talent on this program will be placed in a special fund 
to build a home for the care of aged and indigent people from all branches of the film industry. We feel that this is a humane and very worthwhile project, and we are proud to be associated with it. We hope also that this is the kind of entertainment that all of you will enjoy, and that you will find the Screen Guild show worthy of your continued support. Judy, no, I told you no. Why not? Now, look, Judy, Colonel Drake is the president of the Gulf Oil Company. He's been very nice to us, and he's a very busy man. And you cannot ask him to change the oil in your car. <laughs> Besides, he's not dressed for it. Incidentally, young lady, there's something I want to ask you. There's a very disturbing rumor going around that you're a jitterbug. Why, I am not. I like opera just as well. Well, all I know is what Mickey Rooney and some of those old-timers are saying around. <laughs> well, I'm operatic, and I can prove it. That is, if Oscar Bradley will help me. Oscar, the lady waits. Rudolfo.
Gee, thank you. That was grand. I never realized that you were such a serious threat to the Mets. Yeah, kind of was a surprise to me, too. Well, Mr. Murphy, um, don't forget that... Uh, You're going to I... meet Joan Crawford just as soon as she gets here and not before, and don't ask... Here I am, George. You can relax. Why, it's Jack Finney. Hello, Jack. Well, George, I bet you were kind of worried that I wouldn't get here on time, weren't you? Weren't you worried? No, we weren't worried, Jack. Not at all. Well, weren't you worried even a little bit? <laughs> no, not even a little bit. Darn it, I was hiding for nothing. <laughs> you know, George, I, I had an awful time getting here. It's the last time I'll go anyplace with a police escort, believe me. Why, Jack, I should think you'd feel flattered. Quite an honor to have them send a police car for you. Police car, nothing. They sent two cops on motorcycles, and I had to run between them. <laughs> I should feel honored yet. Say, George, I'm not the first one here, am I? Who else is on the show tonight? Well, there's Judy Garland. Oh, Judy. And uh, Reginald Gardner. Oh, Reggie. And uh, Joan Crawford. Oh, boy. I mean, oh, <laughs> Crawford. You know, George, a funny thing. Now, I know nearly everybody in Hollywood, and yet I've never been able to... I mean, I've never had the pleasure of meeting Miss Crawford. You haven't? No. Oh, we've been at the same places at the same time, like... Well, like the Rose Bowl game and... <laughs> and America, but we never... But we never seem to rub elbows. Is that so? Not that I'd recognize her elbow if I rubbed it, but... Really, George, I would love to meet her. Well, Jack, your desire is about to be fulfilled. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Joan Crawford. Hello, Joan. Hello, George. Joan, I can't tell you how happy I am that you're here. Before I say another word, I want you to meet Jack Benny. He's one of your greatest fans. Fan? I'm practically a windmill. I... <laughs> How do you do, Mr. Benny? Uh, so glad to know you, Miss Crawford. And George is right. I've always been a great admirer of yours. Well, thank you, Jack. I called you Jack because I feel I almost know you. You do? Yes, I've heard Fred Allen speak of you so often. <laughs> oh, you have? Well, stop staring at me. I'm sorry. Uh, listen, Miss Crawford, you know, Allen has been saying a lot of things about me, but don't believe a word that comes out of his nose. He's just an old foof. Uh, Jack, I hate to take sides, but I listen to your program nearly every Sunday, and I've heard you say some pretty awful things. About Alan? No, just some pretty awful things. Well, it's nice to know that you listen anyway. And by the way, Joan, I mean, you don't mind my calling you Joan, do you? Uh, no, not at all. Well, it's such a short program, and if you can save a syllable here and there, I mean, add up. Now, I started to say, Joan, I saw your latest picture, The Shining Hour, and I thought that oh, you... Oh, Joan. Yes? Uh, this is Judy Garland. She's been so anxious to meet you. Hello, Judy. Gosh, Miss Crawford, you're my favorite star. Isn't <laughs> the child cute? You know, Joan, as I, uh, as I was saying... Thank you so much, Judy. Now, in the shining hour, Joan, your performance... Hey, Miss Crawford, when I grow up, I want to be just like you. <laughs> well, you know, Joan, yeah, your performance... I will be, too, someday. Judy, sweetheart, you're getting in my hair. <laughs> well, I won't get lost. <laughs> Well, well, goodbye, Miss Crawford. Goodbye, Judy. I'll see you later. <laughs> you know, Joan, she's a cute kid, isn't it? You know, I've been trying to tell you how enjo I enjoyed your performance so much in the shining hour and a half. 
It was really delightful. You know, I'm in the cinema, too. Oh, yes, I know, and I've always enjoyed you very much. You have? Mm-hmm. Well, look, if you mean that, Joan, there's a question that I'd like to ask you. It may sound silly, but it means an awful lot to me. I mean, to my career. Well, I hope I can help you, Jack. What is it? Well, look, Joan, if I'm as good in pictures as we think I am, why don't they ever cast me, well, as a lover? After all, there must be some people who think I'm attractive. <laughs> Oh, there must be. Yeah. <laughs> but getting back to me being a lover, I can't understand how Paramount overlooks such a natural opportunity. I mean, I've got Gary Cooper's eyes and Donna Michi's nose, Robert Taylor's overcoat, and yet <laughs> something is holding me down. You know? Well, maybe it's the overcoat. No, no, Joan. What I'm driving at is this. What is it that keeps me from being another Ronald Coleman or a Clark Gable? Oh, Jack, that's... A very delicate thing to say. But come on, tell me, Joan. I can take it, really. Jack, I, I could tell you what I think might be the reason, but I I hate to say it in front of all these people. Oh, that's all right. I won't be offended, I promise you. Take an oath. May I never live to see artists and models abroad, a Paramount picture playing at your favorite theater. <laughs> all right, then. Here goes. Uh, Jack, I, I think you're very clever and you're very talented. But you lack the most essential thing for success on the screen. I do. What is it? Sex appeal. Sex appeal. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't mean that I haven't got enough. Oh, yes, I can. <laughs> Funny, and I never even suspected it. Gee, I do the rumba, and I wear turtleneck sweaters, and I saw ecstasy. <laughs> oh, Jack. I don't know. Jack, let me try to explain it to you. Suppose you weren't Jack Benny. Suppose you were Ronald Coleman or Clark Gable. Oh, if you were Gable, do you think I could just stand here coldly, calmly talking to you? Well... No. I... Why, if you were Gable... Well, I, I couldn't stay away from you. I'd, I'd want to get closer to you, like this. I'd even want to caress your cheek, like this. And I'd want to kiss you. Like this. You see... I didn't feel a thing. That's funny. I was a wreck. <laughs> I... I see what you're driving at, Joan, but when you mention Gable, don't forget you only see him on the screen where he's acting, playing a part, giving a performance. Why, it's all a matter of environment, surrounding circumstances, music, dim lights. That's what it is. Oh, no, you're wrong about that, Jack. No, I'm not. It's all atmosphere. I can prove it to you, Joan. How? Now, look. Look, I want you to close your eyes. And forget I'm Jack Benny. I mean, close your eyes and think of me as Clark Gable. You mean I should concentrate on it? Yes. Now, remember, I'm not Jack Benny. I'm Clark Gable. I'm Clark Gable. Clark Gable. Got it? Yes, Jack. All right, I'm Jack Gable. I mean, what's in a name? Now, look, we'll play a love scene together, a real fervent love scene. I'll show you that my kiss and Gable's, it's the same thing. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. All right. Now close your eyes and we'll start. Dim the lights, please. Dimmer. Music. Joan. Oh, Joan. Oh, Clark. It's really you. And I, I thought you were leaving without saying goodbye. Oh, my poor darling. My sweet. Let me dry the tears that are brimming in your eyes. My love. I should have told you sooner, but I'll be back, darling. I don't know how or when. But my heart calling to yours will sing a rhapsody in your dreams. 
though years and a thousand miles shall separate us. Oh, Jack. Yes, dear. I mean, what is it, George? Hey, Jack, you want to know something? I forgot to give you an introduction tonight. Who cares? Goodbye. Well, I can give you one right now while Miss Crawford is sleeping. She's not sleeping. Joan, are you still in the mood? I will be as soon as I close my eyes. All right, then. Let's continue. Oh, cruel fate. What exquisite agony. To meet and part with nothing left to cherish but the ecstasy of love's first kiss. Love's first kiss. And kiss me, my sweet. And I shall ever be a man whose heart has plumbed the depth. My beloved. Kiss me. To think that we may never meet again. Kiss me. To think that fate could treat me thus. Kiss me. To think Kiss that... me for heaven's sake. Oh, my love. Kiss me. What do you think of that? Joan! Joan! Help! What's the matter, Jack? Was there an accident? Accident? Ha ha ha! Accident! Reviver, boys! I'm going out for a smoke. Why, Jack! Sex appeal! Ha <laughs> Before we ring down the curtain, I'd like to thank all the artists who took part in tonight's show. The show was directed by Mitchell Lyson, and the writing supervised by Earl Brecker and Sam Perrin. Thank you for the Gulf Oil Companies and the motion picture industry. This is George Murphy saying good night. Tonight's Screen Guild show was the first of a new series bringing you all the most famous artists in Hollywood. Next week, same time, same station... The good golf dealer in your neighborhood joins the golf companies in welcoming you to another Screen Guild show with Oscar Bradley's orchestra and your master of ceremonies, George Murphy, with Fred Astaire, Gino Corrado, Herbert Marshall, Franklin Pangborn, and Loretta Young in an original musical comedy directed by Ernst Lubitsch. We are grateful to MGM for Joan Crawford, Judy Garland, and George Murphy, to General Foods and Jell-O for Jack Benny. Thanks for the memory is from the motion picture of the same name. John Conti speaking. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.